Podcast, episode 136, Just Good News, journal entry number 33, part one. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and all the episodes of Be Boomer Unleashed. Before we get to today's podcast, let me remind you, like I always do, where you can find us. You can always find us at Be Boomer Unleashed. Dot podbean.com. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio. You can find our link on Facebook, Spotify, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you can't find us in any of those places, just Google Be Boomer Unleashed. I'm sure we'll pop up somewhere where you listen to podcasts. And as always, we encourage you to drop us an email at beboomerunleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's beboomerunleashed at gmail.com. With your comments, your questions, your criticisms, your suggestions for future episodes, anything else you might like to talk about, we'd be glad to hear from you. Well, today's episode, episode 136, Jessica News Journal Entry 33, Part 1, is with uh, our special guest today, Tony Trammell. And Tony is uh, uh, founder and um, I guess you'd call him president of Dadhood. Dadhood. Well, what's this business of dadhood? Why would we call it that? Well, we're going to talk to Tony here in this uh, year, this segment uh, uh, dedicated to just good news. And he's got some good news for dads. And uh, we're going to talk to Tony about that. And as a matter of fact, we're going to talk about uh, dadhood for a couple of episodes. And uh, there'll be part one and part two of this will be next week. So without further ado, let's go to that recorded interview with Tony Trammell now. Well, we have another special guest with us this morning on Bee Boomer Unleashed podcast, uh, our friend Tony Trammell. And I met Tony a number of years ago through a mutual friend of ours, uh, Andy Lake, who also happens to be my son. And Tony and Andy uh, served together in a ministry uh, back in Middletown, Ohio. And uh, my uh, son, of course, Andy, uh, uh, certainly thought a lot of Tony and his family. And they were were great friends. And he told me a little bit about uh, what Tony was uh, doing now in... it's uh, it's an interesting work, you know. Parents today, um, uh, they've got their hands full of a lot of different problems, and uh, Tony, I think, has got some good news for uh, for dads. So uh, we're going to get into this discussion here. But uh, Tony, welcome to Be Boomer Unleashed. Well, thank you, Jerry. Good to talk to you again. And uh, he, uh, of course, he lives uh, still lives in. Uh, you're still around the Middletown area, right? Yep, Franklin, about as close as you can get. That's about as close as you can get to Middletown without being yeah. in it. Yep. Well, listen, uh, Tony, you, you're involved in a ministry uh, called Dadhood. Dadhood. And uh, uh, I guess the best thing to say or ask you is just tell us about Dadhood. What's it all about? Well, Dadhood, the name of it is really a, um, I guess you call it a play off of the word of the term fatherhood. Right. And fatherhood being, um, the difference being that I think dadhood goes beyond fatherhood because uh, you can be a father but not really be a dad. Um, we have a lot of men running around today who are fathers, but they're not being dads. Yep. So that's where the, the name came from. Um, it's a ministry that... Uh, 
really deals mostly with uh, pregnancy resource centers um, in some churches. And it, uh, we work to help centers establish and equip, is what we say. We help them establish or start uh, men's ministries or outreaches to men in their centers and then to equip them with what they need, with training, with uh, curriculum, with some other written resources that we have, um, various ways that we try to help them. Um, this goes back to um, in the mid-90s, I started working with young adults in uh, church that we used to be in, and uh, did that for a good many years with uh, Andy, and I'm not sure how successful we were but we had a good time doing it so um and along those lines uh, i was um working with uh, i became a board member of a local pregnancy center and as i began to um become more and more a part of that i began to see that uh, the young ladies who were coming in for pregnancy tests or for uh, material help or for um, mom training, something like that, would bring in their partner, their boyfriend, whoever, and he would just wait in the waiting room. And he would just hang around. Um, and I went on the board back in 1999. And back then, these young men didn't really, most of them didn't have cell phones. So they just kind of sat there and stared at the ceiling or looked at the floor or, you know, tried to avoid eye contact, whatever it may be. And I just really began to get a, a burden for trying to reach these um, young men as well. So I began to pray about it. I began to share uh, my thoughts with the board. And, um, you know, I was working at the time for the county. I was building bridges and active in church. And, you know, all my kids were still pretty small then. So I just kept saying, you know, we need to do this. We need to do this. Well, you know, I've... Um, learned along the way, someone told me early on that a mission seen is a mission sent. Uh, if God reveals something to you, he's trying to tell you this is what you need to do. Amen. So um, around 2001, we got a call from a uh, uh, juvenile judge here in the county. And he had a couple of teenage boys who had gotten into some trouble. Um, but he thought they just needed a good uh, eye-opening experience or talking to something like that and wanted to know if we could bring them into the, to the center and talk to them, you know, two or three times. So I did that along with our director at the time, good, sweet Christian lady, and she had a heart to try to reach men as well. Um, so these young men came in and, uh, they were 14 and 15, something like that. They were pretty young. That's why he didn't really want to, you know, send them up the river. He wanted to help them out. So we met with him. One of these young men ended up uh, accepting Christ as a Savior, um, had some good results, and that just gave me even more of a burden to do something. Um, the strange thing was about that same time, fall of 2001, I was having some medical issues that I did not begin to understand. I just knew there was something not quite right. And, you know, we being men, we don't tell our wives. No, of like course that. not. Why would we do no, that? No, we don't. 
we don't need their help. You know, right. we don't need to understand or them to know that, you know, we're not uh, supermen. That's the reason they typically outlive us. They take care of themselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Because they know what's wrong with them and they'll get it fixed and we right. just kind of ignore it and go on. Yeah. But until she caught me one day, and this was like early, by this point, early 2003, and I'd been kind of dealing with this for a year and a half, and it just kept getting worse and worse until she saw me and what it was. I was having seizures. Right. And uh, she caught me. So we went to the doctor, and long story short, I had to re take a medical retirement because they couldn't get a handle on it uh, at the time. And the job I did, I you know couldn't be out um, doing what I was doing. And, uh, I lost some certifications through the state and, you know, the state said, well, we have to retire you. Well, I, that didn't bother me at all. Of course, first of all, I, I felt lousy. Second of all, I thought God is opening a door here. Right. So I ended up jumping into, uh, men's ministry, the full-time volunteer. And, uh, I did that. I was in a pregnancy center every day, mostly for seven years and learned a lot. Um, saw a lot. I began to um, write some curriculum and write some lessons and things because there was nothing out there at the time to help young men in unplanned pregnancy situations or to teach them during a pregnancy to uh, learn how to be a father. Right. And you know as well as I do, Jerry, that when we, um, even with the best intentions and we're you know, we're young marrieds and all this stuff. And, you know, we find out we're going to become a father. We still don't know anything. No, um, we don't. No. And we, you know, we wish we were wishing somebody would tell us something, but you just kind of find your way through it. And, um, you know, you did the best you could with Andy. I so. know. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we won't go with there any further with that. But, uh, um, but, you know, I just saw the need, for, especially for these young men coming off the street, and the, the vast majority of young men who go into a pregnancy center are from father absent homes. Right. So they have no idea what a father is. They've never really had one. They've definitely never had a dad. Um, and they just needed something. So this went on, and the ministry grew, and um, we started getting some calls and some inquiries from different uh, centers around Dayton and Cincinnati and places saying, hey, we see what you're doing, we hear what you're doing, um, you know, can you give us some advice, we want to do this. Well, I started to see a little, with people's questioning and interest, I began to see a bigger picture, um, which I kind of put off as well. But anyway, 2010, um, I decided I need to step out of the of the uh, coaching room or the counseling room every day and began to focus on taking all the things that I had written and try to put them into a user-friendly form so that other centers could use it. Because, you know, it made sense to me what I was doing. You know, I just had a file cabinet full of stuff back when people had file cabinets. Right. Um, and it made sense to me, but if somebody would have walked in, it would have made no sense whatsoever. So I began to develop that into uh, the curriculum that we uh, offer now called Preparing for Dadhood. It was all about preparing young men to be not just fathers, but good dads. And I've, I wrote some other stuff to kind of go along with it. 
and uh, we started to go. Uh, we jumped in in uh, 2013, 2014, and kind of went national, if you will, and started going to some conferences and doing some um, different trainings and things like that. And the, the Lord has just opened every door. I decided early on I'm not going to try to kick doors down. I'm not going to try to invite myself into people's lives or ministries or just let the door, let the Lord open the doors and do the guiding and the directing. And it's really just been amazing to watch him um, use our ministry. It has nothing to do with me or my family who, you know, backs me up completely in this. It's just, uh, you know, there's a need there and the Lord has allowed us to, to be part of filling that need. And it's just been a blessing and a, um, a thrill to be a part of, you know, you just sit back and, and, uh, you can get busy with the everyday stuff, you know, Jerry, and not really realize the big picture of what God is doing or what God has done. Right. Well, it's easy to do. It's easy to get, you know, we can, we can, we can be so busy in with, uh, programs and, and doing things that, you know, are really non-essential that we forget about the programmer and, you know, his, his involvement in that, you know, and, and, you know, I think a lot of times for men, um, it's, it's kind of like, and and we forget sometimes that, you know, we like to feel like we're in control of things, you know, and, and, um, you know, when my heart blew up back in uh, uh, May of uh, 2020, and riding down the back of the ambulance to the hospital and having five bypasses and aortic valve replacement and uh, an aneurysm repaired on my left ventricle, not knowing whether I was mm-hmm. going to be back, be home again, that lets you know, hey, we're not in control of anything. And, sure. uh, you know, when we uh, just, uh, uh, as I've heard some old-timey preachers say, just let loose and let God, you know, let loose and let God have his way, uh, things are a lot better. And, uh, you know, uh, dads especially sometimes, I think, need that. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Especially, you know, the young men that just, that that we see coming into pregnancy centers, they're just lost. I mean, you know, an unplanned pregnancy is scary. The possibility is there quite often of an abortion, which is the main thing that you want to stop. Right. Um, you know, they need training. They need to hear the gospel. Um, it's just a, a mission field that's very unique where you have um, the ones who need the help, who need to hear uh, about Jesus Christ are coming into you. Right. Um, and there's just an open door with there with them most of right. the time. And, you know, the government has, has done a tremendous disservice to dads, you know. Oh, yes. Uh, they tell these uh, young young women, uh, go ahead and get pregnant, uh, have a baby, uh, and as long as you don't get married, we'll give you food stamps, we'll give you money for the baby, we'll take care of that, we'll give you rent. Will be your daddy, and uh, then uh, the the dad basically has no role in this whole thing other than donating the sperm. You know, that's right. Yeah, I've, I've said that before. He's just a donor, right? And I and I've had young men came in and, and and talk about their their fathers and say, I don't know him, I don't like the guy. All he was was a donor, mm. and that's just so sad. Um, but that's where we are as a society. There, there's something 
out there that's called the hundred billion dollar man. Right. Now we're old enough, Jay, to remember the six million dollar man. Right, right. Um, from back in the seventies, but this guy has just really taken off hundred billion dollar man. Oh yeah. And what that is is what um, the federal government spends every year to in programs to replace the father in the home, all the things you just listed, what they cost, but what that does is replace the father. Sure. Um, you know, he doesn't doesn't need to be there because um, the child is being taken care of by the government, um, which, is, of course, flies in the face of Scripture in every possible way. And it's just really a sad truth of where we are as a country and as a society today that that is acceptable, um, that he has been replaced. He's no longer needed or essential. And the ripple effects of that, uh, if you look at them, are just amazing. They're amazingly uh, horrible, really. Um, there's a group called the National Fatherhood Initiative, which is a wonderful group, do a lot of good stuff. But one thing they do extremely well, they've been doing for quite a while now, is research. Um, and the numbers of the effect of an absent father um, in education, in um, child abuse, in drug abuse, um, high school dropouts, uh, teenage pregnancy, all these things can be uh, directly are directly related to the father not being in the home. Right. Um, anybody wants to look, the stats are amazing, and they get very in-depth with them. Uh, fatherhood.org is their website, Father Facts. If somebody ever really wants to dig into that, it's, it's so sad, but it's so amazing what we've allowed ourselves to get into. Well, and, you know, I don't know whether you know it or not, but my wife, uh, Sherry, uh, she taught for, I guess, uh, last 12 or 13 years of her career in a uh, what was called the uh, pregnancy uh, dropout prevention program for Cabell County Schools and uh, okay. it was a public school program that basically tried to keep these girls in school so Sherry kind of operated like a one room school when they got a little bit too pregnant to, to go to school if they wanted to come there they could and uh, you know you talk about the lack of the role of the father on multiple occasions, she had multiple girls in her class that were pregnant by the same father, by the same oh, donor, yeah. and uh, you know they uh, they just uh, and and even uh, and and I don't want to cast stones at the churches. I know the church has a plate full, but even our churches today, we're not stepping up to the plate like we should to give these. Uh, couples the proper advice. I mean, you know, every church has girls, uh, Christian girls in their congregation that are pregnant out of wedlock. Uh, yes. and, and instead of getting married, sometimes they're shacking with baby daddy, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, back in the old days, uh, and I'm talking old days, I was born in 1950, so that was way back, uh, you know, when you were in high school, uh, if a young lady got uh, with child, usually she went off to live with Aunt Myrtle for nine months, and she came back usually with uh, no baby and a tan. And uh, she, um, you know, they gave the baby up for adoption, or one of the relatives adopted the baby. But now it seems like in churches today, 
we have a girl pregnant out of wedlock, and instead of giving them proper counseling, we give them a baby shower. You know, and, and you know, it's, uh, I tell you, it's, uh, it, it's very difficult for that dad to have the proper role in that family and, and these kids today, and, and I'm afraid some of the churches uh, have, have slipped into this same thing, uh, we've, we've drunk the politically correct Kool-Aid, and, uh, you know, they just look at this thing as, uh, you know, these kids living together, um, well, that's okay, you know, they, <laughs> that's, okay. that's just what kids do today, but that's, you know, that's, that's not what God designed. No, you know, God designed men to be fathers, to be the protectors and the providers for their children. Right. And what what really went sour is, and talking about the good old days, is somewhere in there, starting in 1973, the option was thrown in there for abortion. Right. And there's so many... Uh, abortions, even in churches over the years that we don't know about, that became an option. Instead of going away to live with somebody and coming back or giving a child up for adoption or whatever, abortion became an option. Right. So, you know, when we have a young lady, even in a church, choose life, um, that's better than the abortion, of course. Absolutely. You want to stop that option. Absolutely. But you want them and the fathers of the baby to then learn what their proper role is. Right. Um, you know, they may not, they may not end up whether they ever get married or not. Yeah. They may not, they may not ever, you know, end up married and have the white picket fence and all right. those kinds of things, but they still need to learn their role. We can't, you know, you can't condone sin, but you can learn from it. Absolutely. And you can move forward from it. So you Absolutely. can take these young people and say, hey, you got things out of order here. Um, you know, it's God's plan. You get married, then you have children. But, you know, God can use this in a great and mighty way. He can use your testimony. Uh, he can He can still use uh, your baby in amazing ways going forward. And I've heard so many stories of... Um, you know, God using a baby to get people on path or to, um, you know, sometimes when they have decided against abortion, what great things this baby has gone on to do or the impact that it's that he or she has made on other people's lives. Um, but as churches, that's where they should come, um, you know, for not only forgiveness and healing, but to be taught, um, you know, how to be parents right. properly. Right. And how to have proper relationships going forward, um, and they should, you know, should have already known that in a church, but you know they don't. You know, sin is everywhere. It's not yeah. just outside the church doors in the parking lot or wherever. Right. It's it's everywhere. You know, it's with us. Yeah. So and we have, the churches have a role to absolutely. play. Absolutely. And um, we don't always play it. We don't always do it very well. No, we don't. Uh, and that's that's an indictment on all of us because uh, we've all uh, probably passed on the opportunity to, to offer some good counseling to uh, young yeah. people that, that we missed the boat. But, you know, like I say, we're talking about the old, day, old days. A girl got pregnant out of wedlock. Well, 
you're going to get married now. You know, we used to have the term shotgun wedding. You're going to marry her. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. not always the solution because those no, people should have never been together to begin with. But right. uh, even if they never marry, number one, they shouldn't live together. If, if you're going to live together, no. then get married. Do the right thing exactly. and get married. But exactly. if you're not going to get married, you're living in separate locations, but that dad still has to have a role in the development of that child. That's right. Exactly. Um, you know, and there are a lot of couples who can who can do that as best they can um, by co- truly, truly co-parenting. Right. Um, you know, they, may, they may, end, may end up marrying other people going on in their lives, but they still have uh, this wonderful child in common that they are both... Uh, scripturally bound to raising together, even though they may be in different places. Um, you know, too 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 um, too often, it does become the case of we'll just live together because we have a baby in common. Right. And that just does not work. No, never. Um, <laughs> no, no. And you know, going way back, I, I also know of of people who will. Um, see a young lady or a young man in church who has uh, given in to temptation and their results in an unplanned pregnancy, and uh, these people just say, "Well, they shouldn't even be in. They shouldn't even be part of the church because of this." Well, where else would we have them go? Yeah, where you want them go to the to the I mean, beer joint, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah, going down there and hang out. That's a good place for you, you know. No, yeah. they need to be in church. Exactly. And where else are they going to really learn how to be parents and, you know, how to serve the Lord and and move forward? But some people just say, well, they just don't belong here. That's crazy, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's that's just really crazy. But there's a lot of uh, churches out there that have that feeling and have that uh, attitude toward this. And, well, and, and, you know, like, uh, you know, there's, you know, we as Baptists, I guess. Uh, I guess they do it in Presbyterian churches and Nazarene churches too. I don't know, but we as Baptists sometimes have a tendency to color code sin. And, yes. you know, like um, uh, a little white lie, that's just, that's just a little white sin. Uh, you know, maybe a bold-faced lie, that gets into the gray area. You know, uh, murder, you know, you get into the black sin area. Uh, adultery, man, that's red. You know, that's that's all this stuff. But God looks on sin as sin, and Amen. and where do you come to get healed? You come to the church. You know, Jesus, yeah. when 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 the when the Pharisees brought this uh, a woman to Jesus, caught in a very act of adultery, and of course the, they set that thing up. You know, they didn't just walk along and say, "Oh, look at there, there's a woman in the, in the very act of adultery." No, they set the thing up. So they bring her in and throw her down before Jesus in the midst and said, you know, we've caught this woman in the act of adultery. And, and, and the law says you ought to stone her. What are you going to do? And Jesus says, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, he's saying, yeah, that's okay. If you want to stone her, go ahead and stone her. And you without sin, uh, first cast a stone, you know. And he stoops down and starts to write in the sand. And they go away one and one by one. Now, when it's all over, he says to the woman, you know, where's your accusers? And yeah. she says, well, there aren't any. And he says, neither do I accuse you. And he didn't pat her on the back for committing adultery. I think the next phrase 
is is paramount to to this whole lesson. He says, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. So he called it out for what it was. He called it out as sin. And he said, you know, basically, I've forgiven you. You go forward and you don't sin anymore. And as a church, that's what we need to be doing. You know, young person, you've you've messed up. You've 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 done this kind of stuff. Let let us help you out here, but don't do the same thing again. No, you know, it made me think that uh, one time I was uh, speaking in a church um, about you know, all of this, and. After I was finished, good, solid church, uh, a lady came over to me and said, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure. So she pulled me aside and she said, um, I, just want you to, I just wanted you to know what today has meant to me. She said, when I was a teenager, you know, I was raised in church. I found myself pregnant and I rather than face the judgment of the people in the church or rather than have to face a, um, a pregnancy alone, whatever it may be, she said, I just went and had an abortion Oh, okay. to deal with it quietly and to make it go away. Mm. Uh, I didn't want to embarrass my parents. I didn't want to, you know, be um, the one in the church that everybody pointed at every time she came in. She said, I just thought it was quicker and easier to deal with. I'd just go have an abortion. And she said, I've never told anyone till just now. Hmm. And we're going to pick up right here next week for the conclusion of this interview with Tony Trammell. Hope you've enjoyed our uh, talk with Tony here today. And next week, uh, we're going to hear the conclusion of this interview and hear more of the great things that uh, Tony's doing there with that ministry called Dadhood. If you'd like additional information on uh, Tony's ministry, uh, you can find him on dadhood.org, dadhood.org. You can find him on Facebook at Dadhood. Just type in Dadhood, and they have a Facebook page. And if you would uh, like to ask Tony a question or maybe get him to come out to your church or uh, check about his uh, material that he has that your church could use in a program like this, you can send him an email. And his email address is Tony, T-O-N-Y, Tony at dadhood.org. That's Tony at dadhood.org. Well, we appreciate you joining us today for uh, this segment of Be Boomer Unleashed. We appreciate Tony for coming on the uh, program and being with us here today on Be Boomer Unleashed. So uh, we hope you'll join us for the next episode too. And if you like this, share it with your friends. You might know young people that, uh, uh, or a young person rather, uh, you might know some young person who uh, could benefit from this kind of ministry. And we encourage you to take that young person under your wing and, and point them in the right direction. Well, like I say, I hope you'll join us again for our next episode of Be Boomer Unleashed. But until then, have a great week, and may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye.